Take girls. Oh yeah. Hi, welcome to Project XXX. I am here, it's Boxing Day, and I'm with my lovely grandma. Hi grandma. Hi friend. <laughs> it's good to be here. Good. Um, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, my name is Maxine and I am Freya's grandma. Yes. <laughs> and I am 74 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a wonderful Christmas. <laughs> and I've got three children, seven grandchildren. Um, so, yeah, far away. Perfect, perfect introduction. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> um, so I wanted to interview you for, for our podcast and our show because I think it's... I've, I think a lot of people don't know or really care about the experiences of different generations when it comes to sex and sexuality and I think a lot of people have this idea that once you hit 50 or 60 you're done you dry up and you're it's all gone absolutely not no (laughs) (laughs) um and I also think there's a lot of sort of rumors and mythology around what it was all like in the 60s and the 70s and and the 50s and the 50s yeah so I thought it'd be a good idea to talk to my grandma about it all Mm. and um as context for for me and my grandma's relationship (laughs) um I think I was about about 10 or 11 and you said to me if you ever need anyone to buy you condoms I will do it Oh, I remember. That. I don't remember that conversation. I remember but it, it sounded very, very sensible of me, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I remember going to school and being like, "My grandma offered to buy me condoms," and everyone was like, "Oh, what?" And I, I, but now I look back on it and I'm like, "This is why I am who I am as a person." <laughs> um, so I thought you'd be the perfect person to interview. I'm very honoured. Yes, good. I'm honoured to have you here as well. <laughs> um. So I guess to kind of get started, I want to ask you what sex education was like when you were a kid and in school. Well, I had my first period when I was 10 mm-hmm. and we didn't have sex education until we were about 12. Mm. So for those two years, I was pretty much in the dark. I can remember my mother telling me that periods was just a way of getting rid of different <clears throat> Um, just getting rid of blood that wasn't needed in the body. So I had this weird idea that perhaps if you had too much blood in your leg or too much in your chest or something, somehow it would disappear out through your vagina. I had absolutely (laughs) no idea really about periods. But when I became um, about 12, I think we started our sex education at school, but it was always about babies Mm. and... We did. We did get told about the the ovaries and the babies all came into the, um, you know, the womb and developed and everything. But we weren't told how the babies got there. Mm. And it was probably about a year or so after the sex education. I asked my mother how the babies got into our womb. Yeah. And she told me that the man gave gave us the seed. So I kind of confused again thinking well did they go into a shop or a hospital <laughs> and get this seed yeah. you know how did all that happen yeah so I was still very confused but 
children at school, my friends, yeah. girlfriends, we all had a little sort of giggle and talk about it and everything. And they said, oh, no, it's not like that. You know, the, the man... The man's body changes or something. I don't know, something like that, somebody told me. So I went back and asked my mother about, you know, how did the man's body change? You know, what happened? Yeah. And she said, well, she said, um, that it all comes out of their wee-wee pipe. <laughs> and, you know, and I, you know I, so I, I just went around... Absolutely not understanding at all. Yeah, I mean, that sounds gross as well. <laughs> and I thought it sounded gross, yes, because I'd only ever seen boys sort of weeing up trees and walls and things, because <laughs> I didn't have a brother. So, yeah, it all sounded horrible. Yeah, that doesn't sound and very I, And I remember thinking, does this really have to happen? And when we had biology lessons and, and uh, we were told, that, you know, how the amoeba... Um, reproduced and worms and things. I thought well, that all sounded a bit better, really, than the boys, you know, wee wee pipe, wee -wee pipe. <laughs> coming anywhere near you. <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't that doesn't sound great, does it? Were you separated in sex ed with boys and girls? Oh, I went to a girls' school. Oh, okay. So yeah. did you? So I, I mean, boys were just totally alien, especially not having a brother or a cousin or anything. Yeah. So you only learnt about sort of wombs and girls puberty and yeah, things like that and didn't yeah. really learn about boys because we got it's almost like boys didn't exist really yeah because we got separated when i was in primary school so in primary at least you didn't yeah. have to wait till your no but school. i think mine my sex ed in primary school got moved forward because i got my period really early as well yes. well no one knew my period had started my grandma Mom told didn't. everyone your... <laughs> yeah, she told my teacher. Did she? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was quite sensible. Maybe she remembered me saying that mm. uh, nobody knew. I, I, I used to take sanitary towels in, in my pocket and hide them, mm. and, and then I had to carry the gross, dirty ones around all day. Oh, no. I know, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> so that's maybe rubbish. that's why your mum decided to tell yeah. the world. I do remember at the time I was like, oh, my God, mum. I can't believe you told my teacher. That's so embarrassing. But yeah, in retrospect, I think it was a good I idea because good idea. at least then I could have sort of someone to go and ask and help and mm. be like, yeah. help me, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So yeah, I actually, I think that was a good thing. But yeah. she did say, mum always said that you were very open about periods with her. Too um, open. Too open, she says. says. Yeah. <laughs> she always goes on about how embarrassed she was all the time. But I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be open and honest about it because otherwise you just have no idea. And Much that's better, terrifying. Yes. What you said that you talked a lot about it with your friends and your yes. mates. So was there sort of as you were growing up and being a teenager, was it lots of giggling and rumours and um saucy stories and I think actually thinking about it, we did talk quite openly about it really, about um when we all kind of understood what actually happened. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> eventually the penny dropped. Yeah. yeah, I think we probably had, we didn't sort of have giggles and things. We actually talked about, you know, what happened and um, how dreadful it would be to get pregnant. I mm. mean, that was a, a huge, huge topic. Yeah. And I can remember a lot of my school friends 
well, no, not a lot, but a few of them saying, oh, gosh, I'm so worried I'm going to be pregnant. Mm. Why? Well, I had sex with a boy. Oh, my God. And we'd almost be counting the days. You know, Have you had your period yet? Yeah. Are you, you know, uh, oh, I'm two days late. Oh, my God, really? And it was such a big thing, and we were all very concerned about it yeah. with each other. Was contraception readily well, there, available? there was only um, condoms available. There was yeah. nothing else. I mean, the pill hadn't even been thought of, let mm. alone invented. Yeah, and could you could you easily access condoms? Oh, no. And it had to be the men. Mm. I mean, a woman would never in a 100 years buy a condom. Yeah. I mean, there was nowhere to buy them, really, for a woman. I mean, she could go into a chemist and she'd probably be looked down upon. Yeah. So it always had to be the men. So I'm not, I, I think they used to perhaps get them from... Older brothers, I guess, or yeah. still their fathers. That yeah. was another one. <laughs> Go into the father's condom drawer. <laughs> condom drawer. You know, nick a few or something. Mm. Um, yeah, that's all that was available. Yeah, that's a bit rubbish, really, isn't it? Really, very rubbish. Yeah. And and then to get pregnant in my day was just the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, really. out, kind of premarital. Pregnancy. I mean, it, it was, right, you're pregnant, you go and have your baby, your baby gets adopted. What, like being sent away to the countryside? Yes, yeah, absolutely, that yeah. is what happened. Yeah. And the baby got adopted. I mean, there was no sort of, you know, making a decision about it. It was just done Yeah. by the grown-ups. The grown-ups sorted mm, it out. And then, yeah. I mean, abortion was... <gasps> well, it was illegal. Well, yeah, it was absolutely So, I mean, they, they did have... But what they call backstreet abortionists, which was very dodgy because it might be some old lady with a knitting needle. Mm. And a lot of women did die, actually. Yeah, I, was, I remember seeing <clears throat> it and called the midwife. <laughs> yes. But it's kind of crazy to think that how that actually happened yes. and that was yes. something that kind of was happening while you were around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, one of my best friends got pregnant when she was about... 17 or 18 or something and uh, she just got literally told she had to get married to this boy and the four adults you know the four uh, parents set two sets yeah, of yeah, parents yeah. they they kind of got together and said oh yeah well we you know better do the decent thing and get them married yeah it seems crazy doesn't it and yet it happened yeah quite often actually that they used to call it shotgun marriages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because years ago, the dad literally would go around with the gun and say, your son has got to marry my daughter. Yeah. It's just crazy how many people probably barely even knew each other and then had to get married. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> oh, I can imagine anything worse. Oh, my God. It does sound very, very <clears throat> Victorian, but it wasn't really. Yeah. We're only talking about, what are we talking about, 60, 50, 60 years ago? Yeah. Um, so we'll probably play one of your songs uh would you like to introduce a song um yeah i mean i like lots of music i used to sing in the school choir so i got and i played the piano so i've got sort of the classical background but i like so many different music it's very difficult to say i mean if i was on a desert island to find eight would be mm. impossible for me really. yeah <laughs> um but i do think um the House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. Oh, amazing. Now, before that, we had Cliff Richard, you know, to last sing-along, sing and then Elvis and 
wonderful voice, but it wasn't very revolutionary or, or different. Mm. But then suddenly when that, I remember that was at a party, and I remember someone played that and I thought, wow, this is different, this is amazing. And I must have insisted that we kept playing it yeah. or something. And I almost feel that that did something to my musical perception. Yeah. Because I suddenly thought, this is new. Good. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. I really <laughs> love the song. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the Animal's House of the Rising Sun. Yes. It's exciting. I'm 
You're listening to Project XXX on LSR. I was going to say how much things have changed, but... But you tell I think, me things haven't changed that much. I don't think so, to be honest. I don't think sex education is really that much more advanced than... No, I'm shocked to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I remember we were talking about it the other day. Mm. And sex education hasn't gone much further than periods, babies. You're, you'll get shown some horrible photos of STIs. And then... Oh, no, we didn't have any STI yeah, photographs. Yeah, so what or... was... What did you know about? Did you know anything about STIs? Nothing. I mean, I had heard of syphilis. Yeah. And I'd seen horror pictures oh of God, yeah. babies that were born with the syphilis and they had deformed faces yeah, and things. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, but that was it, really. Yeah. Just, just don't, in other words, don't have sex in case you've catch syphilis well, I mean that's and get pregnant or both yeah basically that's <laughs> as advanced as our sex was as well it was like you'll get an STI or you'll get pregnant goodbye good luck <laughs> see you later make sure you get married yeah I mean yeah marriage wasn't so much of the, the thing but we did we did get shown how to use condoms which was good was oh we didn't no I bet yeah but again we had a very rushed lesson and then when I came to Leeds Uni and started working with this expression. I remember we had to do this game where we had to try and put a condom onto like a plastic penis as quickly as we could. <laughs> I, I was going, oh my god, I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> I was like, I don't think, because usually I just give it to the man and go, there you go, get on you, with you it. put that on. And then I realised like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I want to go teach sex education and I don't know how to put a condom on. <laughs> I don't think a lot of men do actually. Oh, I don't think they do either. Or they, they pretend they can't or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what about when you were kind of a bit older, like 18 in your early 20s? What was... Well, I got married at not. At 19. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I, I could have been, but I yeah. wasn't. Um, and I suppose sex education then was, uh, well, b- before I got married, I mean, my, my sex education was don't do it by my mother. Don't do it too often in case you get tired. <laughs> you know, you'd be too tired the next day. That was my sex education. Pretty solid advice, really. <laughs> um. But again, it was all about, you know, being a good woman and right. pleasing the man. And no one ever talked about a female orgasm. No, it was almost though they didn't exist or people didn't believe they existed or men had no idea how to bring a woman to orgasm in mm. those days. Yeah. And they used to... Um, we did have a few... Um, more up-to-date type of magazines around then and we used to I remember a friend and I used to read these magazines and wonder you Mm. know what we were doing wrong oh I don't think that's changed very much either because I remember as like a sort of slightly younger teenager like 13 14 maybe reading mum's cosmos and being like how am I supposed to do all of this? You know, is Mm. this how you're supposed to be having sex? Is this how you become good at sex? And Mm. see, now I look back at it and I'm like, (laughs) what were they telling people? Like ridiculous stuff. But I think it's, it's pretty crazy that 
that hasn't changed in about 50 years. Well, again, I am surprised because the emphasis was all to do with how to be a good woman and satisfy Mm. the man. And it was always our fault. Yeah. Um, But I think in the 60s it did change and we became more aware that women are sexual beings in our own right and we weren't just there to satisfy men. Mm. So I am really surprised that now that things aren't any better. I think very recently, as in this decade, um, things have got better because I think um, women and and people are a lot more vocal about their dissatisfaction or they want pleasure to be at the forefront and how we have a bit more of a voice in the matter. Mm. Um, you know, even the fact that Hannah and I do this show, say, ten years ago, probably would have been very unpopular to have two Could girls have been banned. swearing and talking about sex really openly. I don't think it would have gone down as well, but... Um, and I'd have been about thirteen, so it probably wouldn't have been wouldn't have been uh, looked upon very well. But yeah, I don't think it has changed much. But now there are more voices. But then obviously we have access to online porn everywhere, and I think that's put a whole different set of pressures onto people. Do you think it's put more pressure on people? Absolutely. Now? Do yeah. you? Because they see a porn film and think, right, that's how we've that's got, what I've to, got do. to do. Oh. Yeah. And I think that's not just for women. I think it's that's... not just for looking at, it's for instruction. I think well, I think a lot of people watch porn because they don't get good sex education. Mm. So they have no idea what they're doing. So you look it up online. Mm. Um and then I think people not intentionally watch it to learn but if that's mostly what you see about sex then you're going to try and copy it Mm. but I think a lot of people don't realize that it's fiction it's a film yes yes. it's for entertainment and a lot of that stuff isn't yeah isn't real I mean I've never found porn very stimulating myself you know I don't I because mostly it's all to do with titillating the men I think Mm. because it's there's women you know looking glamorous and sexy and all the rest of it but it I think it's very much for men yeah on the whole yeah but then I haven't seen very much porn lately so it could <laughs> you be haven't, all you haven't trend. caught up with the, with the porn industry with the trend, no. <laughs> I think there is there's um there's some some little little groups that are trying to kind of push forward porn that's a bit more equal Yes. To, to both sides. Yes. Um, because there are definitely as genres that are porn for women, but that really annoys me. No, I've me never as well. really seen that. Genre. I, it annoys me because I think it's it tends to be, you know, mood lighting and romance and rose petals, which is fine. Some people enjoy that, but it's a bit stereotypical that men yes. like sort of hardcore thrusting and women like rose petals. Oh and making no, that, that's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, so I think mm. there needs to be a good middle ground. Yes, middle yeah. ground somewhere. Yeah. So did you feel like there was quite a lot of pressure to kind of be the the doting wife, the Oh yes. Kind of well wife <coughs> in the kitchen and whore ex- in the bedroom sort extremely. of thing. Extremely. I'm well not so much whore in the bedroom. <laughs> I think we were just supposed to, you know, lie back and be there for the man. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely. I mean my mother was of the gen I mean, my parents were happily married, I have to say, but um, my mother, um, my role model, if you like, yeah. was my mother 
um, doing all, because she didn't work, she, she was a housewife. And then just, I remember about half an hour before um, my dad was meant to come home from work, she would be in the mirror putting lipstick on and <laughs> combing hair and taking her apron off. <laughs> because, you know, man doesn't really want to see the apron on. No. Don't want to see the the, the hard working no, housewife, no. just the wife. Just you know, and just assume that the fairies had come in and tidied <laughs> and cleaned and cooked. Yeah, He'd, I mean, de- my, yeah, I was definitely brought up with that role model, and I always used to think um, when I had children, um, oh my god, I've got to get the children all in their pajamas and bathed and. The house had to be clean and the dinner had to be ready. Mm. At least in the early years, I, yeah. I believe that had to happen. So when do you think it sort of changed a bit more for you? For me? Um, oh, I'm not sure. I suppose when I divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I had a friend at the time who she encouraged me um, oh, yes, of course, Jermaine Greer's The Eunuch. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people don't these days like um, Jermaine Greer because mm. of her attitude towards... Um, Trans women. Yeah, that yeah. all that sort of thing. But she was so influential in my life. Yeah. Because I don't know if you ever read the book. I but, haven't, no. No, you, maybe you ought to read it for historical purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But she just transformed my thinking, really. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, you know, women aren't just supposed to be objects of beauty <laughs> or domestic slaves. Mm. And um, a friend of mine lent me her book, mm. and I thought, wow, this is quite mind-blowing. Mm. And it's absolutely true, you know, I, I shouldn't feel like this little woman to please no, all the time. No, absolutely not. So, yes, I think... Um, it all sort of happened round about the late 60s, really, or the early 70s for me. Yeah, that's cool, though, because I think it's really strange <clears throat> for me to hear you say that you were trying to sort of be this perfect housewife, because to me, you know, when I see you as my grandma, you're kind of like the strong sort of like... Well, yeah, she woman. That's not of, how I was brought up. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up very conventionally, really. I mean, my my mom and dad and aunts and uncles and everybody, they all had the the so called stereotypical uh, families. No one got divorced. Mm. Um, everyone had their little houses, and daddies went out and got the money. That's You're basically a bit of a pioneer then. <laughs> I think 60s women, you know, we always think of ourselves as being 60s women. I think. Yeah. I think we, we were game changers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Is that, that sort of second wave feminism, isn't it? It was the beginning of yeah, that. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that entirely because obviously um, the, the suffragettes yeah. were probably the first. Yeah, they were first. I think they were first wave and then the sort of 60s yeah. was second That's, wave. And now we're on what third or fourth? Fourth, I think. Fourth wave, fourth wave of feminism. Yeah, Good. we're luckily we're a lot more inclusive now, so you don't have to be a yeah. woman, or um, you don't have to be a cis woman no. to kind of be involved. No, I think that's brilliant, actually. Yeah, to be more inclusive. Yeah, yeah. feminism for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <Rock> <laughs> Did you talk to your children about? sex education and sexuality and things well looking back on it I probably didn't as much as I should have okay 
But I, they did have a sex education at school, mm. and I was found. I personally wasn't embarrassed. I think my children were embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. For God's sake, mother, don't talk about things <laughs> like that. How embarrassing! <laughs> People say that to me now. Do they? No. <laughs> but oh. I'm sure. If, <laughs> I'm sure if I had kids, I'd embarrass the hell out of them all the time. Um, would you? Would you like to introduce another song? Could oh, um, well. When I had the, um, you know, went lived all through the 60s and the late 60s, Led Zeppelin just became a, a, an almost idol mm. of mine. I, I've never really had teenage crushes, but I think he was, Robert Platt was probably the nearest I ever got to mm-hmm. a teenage crush. Oh, absolutely. Even though I was in my 20s. And um, I've always loved his music. It just sort of transports me into my youth mm. and... And you know, nice vibe going on. So I'd leave, I think a whole lot of love. Would oh, be amazing! Very appropriate. I think Led Zeppelin's also quite sexy. I think oh, they're quite gosh. sexy music. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of got like um, lots of bass and sort of yes, like yes. guitar solos, and it's all quite sensual. And it sort is. Of it is actually excellent. Yes. Excellent choice. <laughs> also, I can see where my music taste comes from. As well. <laughs> it's just been passed down this generation. Amazing. You need cooling, baby. I'm not fooling. I'm gonna send you back to school, way down inside. Honey, you need it. I'm gonna give you my love. I'm 
You're listening to Project XXX on LSR. Okay, so I would like to ask, and I know it's quite personal, and I know you had a different experience to a lot of women, um, but what is menopause like, and what is it, basically? Well, the menopause simply means, in Latin terms, and although I don't speak Latin, I believe, the end of periods, or the end of something. Okay. Probably lots of other people say it doesn't mean that at all, yeah. but that's my understanding. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> And really, when I grew up, my grandmother and my mother talked about the menopause as though it was the worst thing that could happen to a woman. Mm. You know, you're no longer a woman. You're no Mm. longer a sexual being. Um, Obviously, you can't have babies anymore. Um, The only good thing you can do now is sort of knit and bake cakes or something. Mm. Uh, Men won't find you attractive. Mm. And do be careful about your man because they might go off with younger women when you get to that age. Great. Yeah, so this was the thing that I was told. And when I actually had... um, I had an artificial menopause because I had cancer treatment for Uh breast cancer. Um, I did have an over... So I didn't go through the normal menopause. But I remember thinking, well, actually, I haven't turned into a werewolf. I can't get the word out. What's the wolf thing? Werewolf. Werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't turned into one of those. Um, Yeah, you know, I don't really feel that different. You know, what's all this awful menopause thing supposed to be about? And I looked in the mirror and I thought, well... Yeah, I don't look any different from yeah. what I did. You know, You've turned into an old of, crone after that. No, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel any different. And, of course, everyone talks about, oh, well, you know, after the menopause, you know, your vagina uh, loses all its... But it all dries up it all and it all dries, goes south. Yeah. All, you know, and... Um, and I remember thinking, well, that hasn't happened. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen for some women. It mm. might well do. Mm. But they can, and lots of women of my generation did, go on hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. And that was extremely popular until they all decided, you know, I think probably the millennium or something, that it was all dangerous and we should all be, you know, natural women and just suffer. And, oh, and we could get uh, you know, high percentage we could actually end up with breast cancer or something, and uh, you know, all sort of horrible mm. negative stuff again. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a terrible shame because now I've talked to a lot of younger women than myself, mm. and they say, "Oh no, HRT! Oh my goodness me, I couldn't risk that." And there they are, smoking and drinking. <laughs> but you won't try HRT. What's yeah. wrong with you? And also, if you are on HRT, you can have, they are very good in National Health, giving you extra checks, mm. br- uh, mammograms, yeah. and um, blood tests and things, mm. just to make sure that you are safe. And, and if you have got cancer, they'll detect it earlier. Yeah. So you could say that being on HRT is safer than not being on it. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of... Um people who are going through transitions of their gender um go on hormone mm. hormone replacement therapy yeah and you and you don't stop being a woman you don't stop fancying um you know whatever sex you fancy <laughs> you don't suddenly stop all that but yeah i think that's what i hate most about the sort of menopause 
discourse mm. it, or just the kind of discourse that surrounds older older people mm. is that when you when you get older yeah you you dry up and um you're not really a, a woman anymore because you can't have babies and that's that's all that matters mm. and I just think it's rubbish because that's not what women are anyway and also I think it's it's quite um excluding women who can't have children anyway mm. um yeah. women who may not have ovaries may not even have vaginas um or people who just you know you know lots and lots of, lots reasons. of reasons and I just yes. think it's, it's it's horrible and it's rubbish and it really writes off an entire generation of women it's almost like you hit I don't know, 55, 50 and you're, they're like, yeah. goodbye, you no longer matter, your yeah. sexuality no longer matters, no. your no. sexual health no longer matters. No. And you're not supposed to have sexual relationships anymore. No. I mean, so many people think once you're 40, <laughs> that's oh, the yeah. end of it. I mean, th- some people cringe at the thought of, say, over 60s having a sexual relationship. People go all sort of, mm. don't they? You know, oh, you hear absolutely. people saying things like, oh, wrinkle is having sex. And it's it's so it's so disparaging, isn't yeah. it? Although, I once read how um, chlamydia statistics like chlamydia rates the, are really really high on the increase with older people because they keep shagging their way around old people that's homes. right and, <laughs> and also men don't wear condoms if they think the woman yeah. oh you can't get pregnant you so can't pregnant so it doesn't matter so you could pick it up from men absolutely yeah, yeah. oh definitely and um other you know i think even things like gonorrhea and oh. and all that um is, uh, yeah, it's on the rise. Absolutely, yeah. It <laughs> well, is, and I yeah. think that's a shock to a lot of younger women, mm. well, and men. Yeah. Um, they just think, oh, gosh, you know, once you're 60, no, surely not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's a myth, actually, because I think your your sexuality doesn't change. No, not I mean, it, you know, it can change and you can like different things, but... Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't go away. No, it doesn't yeah. go away. And you can feel very randy at 60 <laughs> as you can at 16. Yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, and it, it does, it annoys me. It annoys me a lot. It I annoys me that there is, that people don't talk about it. It's almost like, um, well, I think most people, once they get to 60, they think, oh, hey, it's not so bad after all. But then again, it's almost like, oh, they can't talk about it. Mm. You don't mention to your next door neighbour or, yeah. or and you I know, think your sister. Yeah, <laughs> I think that must, it must cause a lot of problems for a lot of older people who I think it does. have worries or insecurities or you know, maybe bad experiences in their sex lives and they think, oh, I can't talk about it because no one wants to hear an old person mm, talk about their sex mm. lives, which is really damaging. It is damaging. But, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on. Well, <laughs> and also another myth that I think we ought to clear up, because mm. I feel quite strongly about it, is that a lot of couples, um, there's this assumption, isn't there, with, with other people, that if couples don't have sex very mm. much, say, after... 40 or mm. Oh, it must be because woman's not attractive. It must be because she's dried up or something. Mm. But so many women have told me it's to do with erectile dysfunction with mm. the man. Um, but this isn't generally understood, is no, it? No. Not think, at all. I think there's definitely still um, this sort of overarching idea that 
women put up with sex. Mm-hmm. And once they get to a certain age, they can't be bothered to put up with it anymore. You know, we're not having sex anymore because I'm done. You know, mm-hmm. we're married mm-hmm. now. It's all mm-hmm. over. But a lot of men just can't do it. Yeah. And I think, I also read someone the other day, I probably should have written these down, but a, a woman's sexual prime is in her 40s Later. and 50s. Yeah. yeah. Where a men's peak at sort of 20, 20 30. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, I think, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it because unfortunately for us women is we have to go through a lot through our lives being told what we should be doing what we should look like what we should be doing this but and I'm not saying men don't have that as well but there is a lot of pressure on women and I think it takes that amount of time in your life to suddenly be like I'm comfortable with my body mm. I, I'm comfortable mm. with my sexuality and it takes a lot longer for us yeah, probably, um, yes. Which I hope is, I think it's changing, where, when, um, you know, girls, women, young women are a lot more comfortable in their sexuality mm. earlier now. Mm. Um, yes, I hope so. But I think that is a, a pressure, I can imagine, of kind of, it takes that much time, it takes, you know, 40 years for you to become comfortable enough to express what you'd like, what you don't like, and kind of be comfortable and that's Hmm. I think also that um um, I mean I I believe that when you get to the sort of menopause age Mm. you suddenly become more sexual because I think it's something to do with hormones it's almost like nature's saying oh right you know you've got to get pregnant now while you still can and um and when I was younger um, I met an awful lot of women that got pregnant in their menopause years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. quite a few. A lot of them had terminations because mm. they just thought, oh, God, I can't have a baby at 43 or something. Mm. Of course, now a lot of women yeah, are having them a lot do, older. Yeah. But because that generation had their babies so young, when mm. they were sort of in their 20s, yeah. the thought of having a baby in sort of 45 or something. But... I definitely believe that women, it's almost like last chance or something. And nature's telling you to go out and get pregnant while you still can. Well, I guess it's like when you're on your period and you kind of end up getting horny on your period because your body's going, right, baby time. Let's (laughs) let's get one in there. And you're like, no, but okay. (laughs) And I guess it's kind of a similar thing. Your body goes... Right, baby time. We've got our last chance. Let's mm, go do it. And yeah, possibly. I mean, and yeah. that's why women get pregnant in the middle of their cycle, mm-hmm. or because they feel more randy in the middle yeah. of their cycle. Yeah. So that you know, it's like a dog being on heat. It's yeah. Like, Come and get me. Yeah. You know, I'm fertile. Yeah, and it's pheromones as well. Your body kind of puts mm, out like yeah, sexy pheromones. Yeah. yeah. Which I love that idea. I love the body of my the idea of my body kind of excreting pheromones <laughs> and kind of calling people in I think it's great um so that kind of actually leads me on a little bit to talking about sexuality and pleasure over 60 and, and sort of things and how do you think being older has affected or changed or improved your sex life or I think it does depend always who you're having sex with of course it? yeah um, I was very lucky at 61, mm-hmm. 61 to meet um, my husband, who's now departing. Yeah. But um, he was just so kind and loving and, and all the things that I'd missed all over the years. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, I think it did improve because the emotional yeah. bit was there. Yeah. You know, because I knew how much he loved me. Oh, I don't want to well. Oh, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it made all the difference, not because we you know, did amazingly different or weird things mm. or something. It was just because of the person. Yeah, and I think that is really important. I think um, you tend to, when you say, oh, it's better when you have an emotional connection, people kind of go, really? Like, yeah, emotional I'm connection. not sure, yeah. But I don't think it even has to be a really deep, lifelong mm. emotional connection. I think if you have that sort of mutual respect, that kind of openness to talk about it, and that sort of connection, yes. whether you've only met that evening or, you know, you're yeah, married. Yeah. Um, I think that is really important and can definitely improve your sex life. Well, yeah, I, I used to think, well, you know, an orgasm's an orgasm. But no, I think when you have got that emotional connection, mm. it's so much better. Bit of a cliche. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> and also, um, I mean, I, we, on, on this show, we talk a lot about how an orgasm isn't um, always completely necessary and pleasure is a really important part of sex. Mm. Um, and this is probably quite personal, so you, you can answer it in whatever way you wish. But do you think being older changes how you have sex? Because you may not be all doing all the positions and doing all the vigorous and yeah. kind of... Um, and maybe it's more about pleasure than it is about kind of getting to that end goal. I'm not sure. I mean, the, yeah, this is personal, but I found that having an orgasm was easier. Oh, cool. When I got older. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think it kind of, the pressure was gone? I don't bit? know. I don't know. It could have been perhaps lack of estrogen. Mm. Because I think when you're awash with estrogen, mm. um, because I think women have, uh, they do have the male set. What's testosterone. That's right. Yeah. Testosterone. Yeah. And I think maybe when a lot of the estrogen goes, because mm. you're not, you know, not fertile anymore. Yeah. I think the the male hormone in you, yeah. in your body, takes over a bit. It's yeah. not pushed out of the scene because of all the estrogen. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal. It makes belief. sense. And also, um, when I started to you know, on my courses mm. to be a counsellor. And we did discuss this quite a bit. Mm. And I remember the chap that was lecturing us, he was about, I don't know, 64, something like that. He said, the best secret in the world, he said, is how good your sex is when you're older. <laughs> okay. He said that was the best secret. Oh, that, amazing. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Looking something forward to, look to forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ignore all the doom and gloom about getting older no, and getting saggy that's no. when your best sex is about to happen yeah absolutely but i well i mean i was over 60 so <laughs> i mean i think i i do honestly think it is to do with your hormones yeah i mean hormones. it makes a lot of sense and also how to you know you connect perhaps with partners yeah and yeah. i guess you kind of know what you want a bit more out of a partner once you've had the sort of life yeah, experience. Yeah, you sort of think, oh, well, you know, who cares? Yeah. You know, you know, you just... We have a connection that's... Yeah. That's I think, you know, sometimes it's difficult to 
actually, you know, you wonder what the other person's thinking or blah de blah. Mm. But I think when you're older, you don't really care what they think. <laughs> yeah. I think you get more selfish. Yeah. You sort I think, of think, oh, sorry, I'm going to do that can what be I a want. Really good thing, <laughs> I think because of the kind of pressure to almost perform in the bedroom, and you end up worrying so much about what the other person is feeling and doing. Mm. You do. That you kind of forget. And I think sometimes it's good to be a little bit selfish. Yeah, but that's not what women are taught, is it? No. Or maybe this generation. Yeah. Maybe maybe people listen to this and they'll go, oh, maybe I will be selfish. And I'll be like, <laughs> yes. Yes, let everyone do it. Um, would you like to introduce another song? I was talking about falling in love quite late in life. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember at that time listening to a lot of Katie Melua. Okay, yeah. Because there's something about her voice that I find extraordinary actually Mm -hmm. you know her diction and just you know not everyone's taste but I like her Mm. so I'd like the the closest thing I can't remember what it's called now something like the close closest Closest thing thing to crazy closest thing to crazy yes I know the song yeah excellent how can I think I'm standing strong yet feel the How can happiness feel so wrong? How can misery feel so sweet? How can you let me watch you sleep? Then break my dreams the way you do. How can I have got in so
earlier about orgasms and I was wanting to ask you a bit more about that and sort of how how much did you know about it did you and your friends have discuss it kind of throughout your life and do you kind of just asking about it yeah well when we were young I don't think we did talk about it because we were so ignorant about Mm. it um and if you did play with yourself, masturbate, whatever. I think it was almost something you didn't really understand mm. could happen with a man. Yeah. Or, well, you know, I'm talking about man-women relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost like, well, you know, that's that doesn't happen. Mm. And, I, and a lot of women, I mean, they just never talked about having orgasms with their husbands. Mm. It was almost like... Well, no, but who cares? You know. <laughs> yeah, which is a, I think just um, I think the orgasm, the orgasm gap is what it's called now. Oh, um, is that what they call it? Yeah. So they kind of did this massive survey, and a, a large percentage of men said that yes, they orgasm every time, and a very small percentage of women said that they orgasm every time. Yeah. Um. Funnily enough, between lesbian couples it was almost every time which is mm. well they, underst- they understand <laughs> yeah. each other's anatomy yeah yeah Whereas i think a lot of men don't understand it yeah you know they always say with a man they need a map and a compass <laughs> yeah <laughs> which again i think is absolute bollocks because it's although not not, that i'm not saying all men are like that no no of but course, i'm yeah. talking about my youth if you like yeah and i think it's um it's less about individual men and it's more about an attitude. Hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I think Where so. sort of the attitude of men in general is that, you know, the clitoris is very hard to find and yeah. women's bodies are so complex. And yeah. It's kind of that yeah, cultural attitude. Sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So did you talk about it kind of with your friends? Yeah. Um, Yes, we did actually. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems now I'm reflecting on our conversation that we took it all very seriously, you know, because you asked me earlier, mm. did we giggle much? And I'm thinking about it and I think, why didn't we? Yeah. But it was almost like this was something that we had to get right yeah. and take seriously because yeah. we had to be good women and all that good stuff. Wives and, good yeah. wives and 
you know, and we did talk about it, but it wasn't in giggle terms. Yeah, I get what I mean, you mean. It could have just been me and my circle of friends. I'm not sure. But, um, yes, and then vibrators became um, available. Yeah. So it was like, oh, have you got a vibrator yet? Oh, no, I haven't yet. Where do you get them from? You know, it was all that. And you, oh, my God, you, I love that, though. Yeah. I love that idea. And you had to sort of order it. And it would come in a brown envelope. Wow. So you, no one... You well, know, like from a catalogue? Um, well, it used to be in the papers sometimes. Wow. You know, the the really sort of trashy... sun used to be a lot more trashy papers. Yeah. News of the World, that was oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have ordered mine from News of the World. Amazing. And um, you had to sort of fill in the form and the letter and put the postal order money in the envelope and yeah. all that and then it would come in brown paper yeah so not no discreet would... packaging yeah and yeah. then you sort of got it and you sort of hid it from your husband even. yeah I was gonna ask did you talk about it with your partner no not really it was something very secretive yeah um yeah I mean when you think about it it's laughable isn't it but my first husband yeah it wasn't really talked about with him at all no Oh, that's a real it's shame. all very secretive, and but we all discussed then, you know, what were you doing with the vibrators? And I remember one friend of mine, bless her, she had no idea what you were meant to do, right? And she used to, she she used to sort of turn it on and just, oh yeah, that does feel quite relaxing on my arm. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I mean. And, you can use it. There's no wrong way to use it. No, necessarily. I mean, you can use it on your arm to relax you, but. I remember when we told her actually what you could do with mm. it, she was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. You know, she she just couldn't sort of handle this revelation. Yeah. So I never did find out actually how she, because she was so um, shocked yeah. at the idea that I don't think we ever really wanted to follow up. You know? <laughs> didn't want to upset her anymore. Oh. Well, I hope it all worked out for her. I do hope so too. <laughs> I mean, that's how they sold them for ages, though, didn't they, as personal massagers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was something you felt quite dirty mm. almost, that, you know, doing something really secretive mm. and, and naughty. And... Mm. I don't think that stigma's really gone away. Has it not? I think maybe, I, well, it's like you said, I think I find it quite difficult to say because my, my circle of friends are all very open and, you know, we talk about it all the time. Mm. Um so it's difficult for me to say, oh, the stigma's gone. Because in my friends, it has. Mm. And we will talk about sex toys and things very openly and kind of share tips and, and be like, what have you got? Is it good? Maybe I'll get one. Um, but I do think it's it's gotten better, but very, very recently. Mm. But masturbating in general, especially when I was growing up, was very, like, still felt really dirty, it felt really wrong. Yeah. You we'd kind of all laugh and all joke about people who had dildos and be like, oh they're so desperate. Like well, we used to call them vibrators, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean yeah. there was there was that kind of feeling that well you obviously got a really bad marriage if you have yeah, to use Yeah, one you must of be those. desperate if you have to use one of those. Yeah, and yeah. what's wrong with you? Why yeah. do, why don't you orgasm with your husband or mm. what is wrong with you? You're not a good woman. You you know something wrong with yeah. your body. So do you think there was a pressure to orgasm with your husband? Oh, most women faked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People definitely still do, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. a shame. But did you feel, I mean, did you ever have discussions with your partners about pleasure? 
No, not really. I think, I mean, thinking about it, we should have brought the subject mm. up, obviously. I mean, now I'm thinking, why didn't, you know, <laughs> yes. what was, you know, but no, I don't think we did. Yeah. I think as long as our man was sort of okay and yeah. seemed happy, um, that was our main concern. Yeah. Bummer. Shame, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. All those years lost. <laughs> All those faked orgasms. <laughs> if only could get them back. <laughs> okay, so we're probably going to come to the end, even though this has been lovely. It's been oh, really it's been lovely. I feel like you've been a therapist. <laughs> Good. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. So I'm glad I give off like a, a therapy vibe. Um, but as I just said to you, then um do you have any lovely words of wisdom for the younger sort of students gosh I wish I had lots of words of wisdom but I think one of the things that I've realized probably a bit late in life is that life is not a rehearsal yeah I mean this is actually happening and anything you want to do don't put on the back burner Mm. do it Mm. you know and never look back and think oh I should have done this shouldn't have should have I mean you're always going to have a few regrets oh god why did I do that yeah. for but if there's anything burning in your heart then for god's sake get out and do it and that's with sex as well yeah if you if there's somebody that you really adore and you're worshipping and you're thinking oh but they may turn me down mm. well so what they may not turn mm. you down I love that so don't be frightened about expressing your feelings for that person or that maybe you're just interested and you would like to get together with them if they say no well at least you've tried exactly yeah (laughs) I love that as advice I I say to people a lot you know the worst thing that's going to happen is that they say no yeah no one's going to die no no one's going to die no (laughs) one's going to get killed you know they just say no and you might be a bit bummed out but Okay, on to the next one. On to the next one. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Grandma. It's been lovely. Oh, it's been lovely talking to you. I'm very proud of you, actually. Oh, Grandma, stop. Thank you. Um, And, well, we'll see you next next week. And goodbye to to who's listening. Yes, goodbye and good luck in life. Yes. To all who's listening. Amazing, lovely. (laughs)